All right. Um, this might surprise some of you. I have a big mouth. I have a, a this, I, sometimes I say a lot, sometimes I'm really loud. It, you know, it happens. Right? Like, I'm just, I'm just really loud. I have my moments. Sometimes I don't shut up. You know, we'll be in our staff meetings, and our staff meeting will be ending, and then, like, I just blurt out a whole bunch of stuff, and I extend our staff meeting by another two hours, which is totally my fault. And, you know, when I was in Bible college, I remember that, you know, I was, I was like, listen, I am a master's college and seminary student. I am representing master's everywhere I go. We didn't have merchandise at the time, so I just had to use my mouth. And so I remember being at a convention, and, and we had uh, students from other Bible colleges in Canada. But listen, master's college and seminary, every other Bible college. Just, um, you know I mean? This was, sorry, sorry, that's how I feel. Uh, sorry, felt, felt, that's how I felt. Um, and I remember meeting uh, one of our, well, now she's, uh, well, now she's on maternity leave, but Ashley Livingston, she is our, our district uh, events and facil events facilitator for youth ministries. And she at the time was going to a school called Summit, which is somewhere, somewhere else in Canada. And I remember meeting her, and she said, hey, I'm Ashley, and I go to Summit. And I was like, Summit? Why don't you come to Masters? This is where it's at. MCS, discover the difference, the Masters difference. And I would pump Masters College and Seminary as far as I could go. She didn't really like me after that. Um, and it took a while for her to, you know, realize I'm actually a good person. I just have a really big mouth. Um, so, you know, masters, that was my identity. That is who I was. Uh, this might not, this might also surprise you. Uh, I'm black. I, I was, I was born that way. I grew up that, that way. And I remember, I remember growing up and my dad came to me one time. He said, listen, it's time for us to have the talk. And I was like, I don't think we need to have the talk. He's like, yes, we do. Now, I know you're thinking it's that talk. It wasn't that talk. This was a different talk that we had. My dad, uh, he said to me, listen, Stefan, you are growing up, and you need to know that you're black. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks, Dad. That's really, yeah, glad we had this talk. And he said, no, no, you need to understand that people are going to see you as black first. And wherever you go, that's what people are going to see. So how are you going to act? Now, I don't need you to act like you are a rapper. I don't need you to have your pants halfway down your waist. I don't need you to be like that. My parents taught me to grow up and, you know, speak the Queen's English because they're both from British colonies, so you had to speak proper English. There's nothing wrong with proper English. I think so anyway. I know some of you are laughing because I don't speak proper English sometimes, but yo, allow me, eh? Allow me, all right? Allow to man them. And so I grew up, and my father, he made it very clear, listen, you, you have to act better. You cannot give off the impression that that is how black people are. That is your identity. You are black, and you need to make sure that people see you in a positive light as a black man. And... I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. Thinking that, that is my identity. I'm a male. I'm 23. <laughs> 26. Okay. All right. I'm 29. I'm a male, but I, but, and I'm black, and, and I'm married to my beautiful wife, and amen, yes, the Lord gives good gifts. Um, we're equal. We're equal gifts, though. We're equal to each other. Um, 
But I'm also a Christian. I'm a follower of God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later, he made changes to our identity. When we accepted Jesus as our Savior, our identity was replaced. Yeah, we're saved. Yeah, we're redeemed. But we're going to go on a bit of a journey, to a deeper journey this morning. I want us to understand that beyond our salvation, there is more that Jesus is doing that impacts humanity. See, much of some of the world's issues, much of some of the divisions that we have in our world could be solved if everybody just found Jesus and find what this new identity involves. So this morning, I'm going to spend our time in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, like, says this, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor. Come on, a little bit more energy. Hey, neighbor. He has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen, eh? Amen, amen. You see, Peter writes this to various locations located in Asia Minor, and he's encouraging the church there. Now this, I need to let you know, there are, there are many people in the Bible who have different names, or there, there might be more than one person with the same name. This is Peter, the disciple Peter. Yes, old jellyback Peter who, tur- who denied Jesus three times. This is the same Peter. He's now writing because, you see, Jesus said, Peter, I've got, there's great plans for you. On this rock, I'll build my church. And this is that Peter, forgiven, restored, elevated. And so Peter, he's writing this message to the churches. And I want you to know, in your notes, you'll notice that uh, beside most of the headings, there there are Old Testament addresses. And that's because the terms that Peter uses here, He calls back to the Old Testament. Peter writes, we are a chosen people. See, our translation uh, uses the word people. Other translations will use the word generation. They'll use the word race. And they're all based on a Greek word, genos. And that means many individuals of the same nature or the same kind. We didn't do anything to be a chosen people. You need to know this this morning. God chooses us, but we didn't do anything to be chosen. Now, when I say God chooses us, I'm not talking about predestination. That is a different conversation that we ain't going to have time for this morning because ain't nobody got time for that conversation today. We didn't do anything But it is God in his love. Uh, In Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. God God says this about the Israelites. And Peter is using the same language here. And being chosen is a result of God's love. God's love sent his son to die on Calvary. And when we accept God's grace and his mercy, that's what it means to be chosen. That's what it means to be your, that we are chosen. 
Jesus' death removed the physical identifiers and replaced them with a spiritual identifier. We are identified by Jesus. Our new race is because of Calvary. Israel is the physical race. They are the descendants of Abraham. We are the spiritual race. Israel was chosen to be a witness to the nations of God's power and to be set apart. So when Paul writes that we are, when Peter writes that we are a chosen people and uh, we are a chosen with a purpose, we are chosen with a reason. And we need to understand how we are chosen. We are chosen because of his love. We need to understand why we are chosen. And we need to understand what that means for us today. As people saved by Jesus, the things that divide many in the world, their racial, their social status, political affiliation, these things should never be dividing followers of God. We are unified by Jesus. And being chosen, being a chosen people, brings with it both a privileged, privileged position before God and a particular responsibility. And that responsibility is to love. We are a chosen people, and we love. We love. That's what marks us. And because of Jesus, we are chosen. There are promises that God has made, that he made, that he made to the children of Israel. I will never leave you nor forsake you. you, you some of you, you know all the promises. And because of Jesus, we have been attached to those promises. And that is why you will see in your, in your notes, the parentheses there, the Old Testament address. Because I want you, as you're in your groups this past, this whole, this past week, I am literally living in the future, apparently. Uh, as you're in your groups, oh, I almost, never mind. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. I almost did. Uh, as you're in your groups this next week, I want you to spend some time understanding why Peter does this. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. is one of the lines that's used. And to truly understand that, we have to go back into the Old Testament. See, when God saved the Israelites and when he established the nation of Israel, he placed very specific restrictions on three offices. There are three offices in the Old Testament. There was the king. The king could only come from the tribe of Judah, and he was the military leader. There was the priest. The priest could only come from the tribe of Levi. The priest's role was to speak to God on behalf of the people. And there was the prophet. Prophet could come from any tribe. And the prophet's role, the prophet's responsibility was speak to the people on behalf of God. Now in the Bible we have, in the Old Testament, we have some cases where people served in two roles. David, King David, obviously, was a king and a prophet. Ezekiel and Zechariah, they served as both priest and prophet. But you can never be allowed to serve as king and priest. There are some examples in the Old Testament that show us what happened, how seriously God took this. Saul tried to offer up sacrifices in the role of a priest. Didn't work out so well for old Solly boy there. Uh, King Uzziah, he tried to serve in that role as well. And in your notes, I think I've given you 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16 to 21 to, to take a gander at. 
But when Jesus came, when Jesus stepped foot onto the earth, he occupied all three offices. He was a prophet who spoke to the people. He was a priest for all of us because he offered up himself as a sacrifice. And he also is a great king. And so because of Jesus, we are royalty. Now, you guys need to understand something about me here. Let me, let me break it down a little for you. Uh, for those of you who don't know my name, my name is, my full name, my full government name is Stefan Leroy Watson. Now, I need to, you got to understand, hold on, you know, <laughs> all right, hold on now, I love this part. I love my parents for naming me this, and again, my big mouth. Uh, Stefan means crowned. Come on now. Stefan means crowned, and Leroy means the king. So listen, guys, I'm crowned the king. So I understand sometimes that gets me in a bit of trouble. But you need to know that you are heirs to the king as well. You see, you are children of God, and our God is a king. We are sons and daughters of a king. That's why we are royalty. Look at your neighbor and says, hey, neighbor, you are royalty. You're not convincing enough. You're a little bit, look at your other neighbor and say, yo, other neighbor, you are royalty. We are royalty because our father is a king. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it lets us know. It says this, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And we will reign with him a thousand years. We are an heir. We are royalty. We will reign with him forever. We are priests. A royal, we are royal priests. Because our father is a king, we are priests because we have access to the king. We are able to have an intimate relationship with God. The Old Testament priests were the only one who could enter into the Holy of Holies. And because of Jesus' work on the cross, we are able, into, to, we are able to enter into the Holy of Holies and have an intimate relationship with God. We're able to say, God, hey, listen, can I bring my request to you? God, I'm coming to you again. I got the same need. God, I'm going to come to you a third time about the same thing. Hey, listen, God, it's me again. It's that same thing, but I'm going to keep coming to you because we have unprecedented, unrestricted, unstoppable access to the God who holds everything in his hands. We are royal priests. And in the Old Testament, the, the priests had three jobs. He had to have an intimate relationship with God. He had to pray on behalf of the people, and he had to teach the people. We have those same roles. We have those same roles. Jesus' death and resurrection allows us to enter into the Holy of Holies. We're able to spend time with the Word, in the Word, learning the Scriptures. We have to spend time in the Word so that we can know God more and more. It's not good enough to read your Bible once a week, you're only going to get just a little bit. And God wants to reveal himself to you. And the more time you spend in the word, isn't it like what Pastor Jeff says all the time? You get what you put in. If you put in a little bit, you'll only get a little bit. But if you put in everything, you'll get everything that God can give you. And That's why we got to spend time in the word. I'm reading this book right now. And it highlights the fact that we have many people in our church who call Jesus Lord but he's not truly Lord over their lives. 
in order to experience a true intimate relationship with God, he has to be Lord over everything. We must give up control. How can we walk in a new identity if we're still trying to identify with the old identity? How can we walk in freedom if we're still going to places that locked us up in bondage? A true, inti- a true intimate relationship with God, with Christ, puts us into a place where we're experiencing true transformation. You got so many Christians, so many people who call him Lord, and they're living from experience to experience. They're living from one spiritual high another spiritual high, and everything in between doesn't matter. Every spiritual experience we have should be a launching pad. Every spiritual experience should be anchored in something deeper. It is not enough to come to church on Sunday. You need, we need more than that. It's like we need to have, like, I don't know, PJ, it's like we need to have, like, small groups or something. Oh, wait. Hold on, Pondis. We have small groups. If you are not a part of a small group, you need to join a small group. What do you have to lose? Thank you. See, nothing to lose. Because when you are a part of a small group, the spiritual experience on Sunday is great, but then you have people to share it with. Then you have people to ground you in the word. People who will help you along. Oh, wow, it's like, it's like God has this whole master plan for our lives. We miss out on what God is trying to do when we live from experience to experience. And as priests, we show others the love of God. Where are we placed in our everyday lives? You know, where we're placed, we're priests. We intercede for people. You, I, I know that there are people in this room. We have people that we pray for consistently, constantly. Praying on their behalf, God, would you just, just touch this person? We intercede for our leaders. We, we ask that they make the right decisions, godly decisions. That's why we pray for our elected officials. Whether we love them or hate them, we pray that they would make the right decisions. That's why we sacrifice our time. A part of the the priest's role was to sacrifice on behalf of the people. Thankfully, we don't have to do that now. Because, listen, if someone walks into this building this week with a fresh goat uh, saying, hey, listen, I don't know what I... (laughs) Well, listen, we're going to have a curry goat ting. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have to sacrifice like that anymore. But we sacrifice our time. We come into the house of God and we lay down our burdens and we sacrifice our, our, just how we're feeling and give God praises. We put ourselves aside and uplift his name. And we teach. Now listen, I know some of you guys are like, whoa, 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 I'm not qualified to teach in the nursery. And I'm letting you know that, that that's not the only way to teach. There's this, this saying I've, I've heard for years. Uh, it goes like this. Actions speak louder than words. Now, you might not teach with your mouth, but you can teach with how you live. If we live how God has called us to live, which is to be set apart, which is to be different, then I think that makes people take notice. Why is that? 
why does, why does he not argue when things don't go his way? Why does he always smile? Maybe it's because that person's different. See, when people walk in through those doors, even though cars are going straight, even though they should be turning, but they will be turning and coming in here. When they walk through those doors, it's not because we have great banners outside. It's not because we have flyered the entire neighborhood. It's going to be because there are people in this room whose actions push people to look differently and to look for something different. That's going to push people to find the risen Savior. Our actions teach. Speaking about being different, Peter, he says that we are a holy nation that is God's own possession. Which means that we are separated. Again, God said to Israel, you're going to be different. You're going to be separate from the other nations. You're going to be the priests of the world. And Israel was not always, they weren't always the best people. They weren't always great in their conduct. And to be fair, sometimes we in the church, and I mean the global church, we're, we're not the best in our conduct. But we've seen the news sometimes at church. You see the news and you're like, oh, church, no. But we're able to be holy because Jesus is our righteousness. We can go to Christ in repentance. No need for a sacrifice. We have a great high priest, our mediator. He saved us. So that we can be set apart. But we can't be set apart if we're not willing to make him Lord. We cannot be a holy nation if we're not willing to make him Lord. You cannot be a holy nation. You cannot be set apart if you want to be like every other nation nation, people, we are a group of people, kindred spirits. Separated by the love and the grace of a, of a great God. To serve as God's possession. I was reading that and I was like, God's possession? Then it got me thinking, I have possessions. Uh, some of you all know I got some uh, shopaholic tendencies. They're in the past. I'm a slightly recovering Shopaholic. Um, I, I have a tendency to buy things. Um, continue to pray for me, guys. Uh, just remember, you got to intercede on behalf of others. Uh, I buy stuff. Uh, and when I buy something, I usually like it to work. And when it works, I'm very happy. When I buy something, when I buy, I don't know, trying to buy a new iPad, not going to buy a new iPad right now, uh, Jamie, just letting you know. Um, but I want my iPad to work the way I want. And when it works the way it is intended to work, brings me joy. If we are God's own possession and we do what we are intended to do, doesn't that bring God joy? That is what he means, God's own possession. We are God's. He saved us and it's for his joy. I bought a pot set a couple weeks ago. It brings me joy when I cook. It brings my wife joy when I cook, too. Possessions bring us joy, and they bring us happiness for the most part. It's the same with God. We are his own possession. 
God loves us and he loves to see us operating the way he intended for us to operate. Zephaniah 3.17 says he is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Can someone tell me another God who will do this? Ah, that's right, because there are no other gods like our God. God delights in us when we, when we do what we are created to do. When we function the way God intends us to function, he, he delights in us. The world may tell you that you're too short. The world may tell you you might be too tall, you might be too wide. That you can't do something. But to God, he made you that way. You are his creation, and he can use your weakness for his glory. That is why Jesus changed our identity. He called us out of darkness. He called us out of eternal death into eternal light. We have Christ as our hope. We sang that song a few weeks ago, Living Hope. We have Jesus as our hope. He called us out of darkness so that we can show the world how great our God is, so that we can show the world that he is wonderful, that he is merciful. When we are, as God's possessions, fulfill our purpose, we are showing people God's goodness. When an apple tree gives you apples, it is displaying how excellent the planter is. And when we, as God's possession, fulfill our purpose, we are showing how excellent our creator is. We're showing how excellent our savior is. As a result of being a chosen people, as a, a result of being royal priests, as a result of being a holy set-apart nation, as a result of being God's possessions, we show others that he is a good, good father. We are displaying that the sacrifice that Jesus made was not made in vain. Because now we can live as a new creation. Now we can live different. Now we live set-apart. We have been called by his grace through the gospel of salvation. He calls all Jew and Gentile to him to inherit the blessing by following Christ's example. We are called to do eternal glory. We are called to eternal glory in Christ. When we live as people who are called, we are living examples of who God is. When we live with this identity. We are showing the world we are one family belonging to one God. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you're my brother or sister, depending on who's beside you. I didn't plan that one fully out in my head. Now listen, some members of the family have big mouths. That's all I'm going to say. But we're all part of God's family. Some members might take a little bit more than they give, but we're all members of God's family. Some of us might sacrifice more, but we're all part of God's family. And who knows what, what happens as we walk as God's family. The person who gives more, who, the person who takes more ends up giving more. The person who wasn't able to sacrifice a lot, that, but, but is a part of the family and is loved, realizes the sacrifice of love and realizes that I can give more, I can sacrifice more, I can serve in different areas. We are a family. I was going to break out that song, we are family, but I decided not to, although I just did. 
We need to embrace our identity. How do we do that? We put Jesus on the throne of our lives. When we allow Jesus to sit in his rightful place, then we accept our new identity. When we accept our new identity, then we can fulfill our purpose. Let me ask yourself this question this morning. Is God on the throne of your heart? Am I walking as someone who is a chosen people? Do I seem different to others? Am I a light in a dark place? Sometimes I, I have to stop and think about that. Am I being a light in a dark place? Puts things back into perspective of this new identity that Peter writes about. So how do we do that? How do we accept this new identity? Well, the first step is to accept Jesus. Spend time in his word. Daily give up the things that you desire and allow those desires to be replaced by God's desires. Look around your community. Are you being a light? Are you being a lighthouse? Are you showing people who God is? You know, when Jesus died and he rose from Calvary, he changed our identity. He cleaned us up. He set us apart. He gave us a new purpose. We don't find our identity from where society tells us our identity comes from. We get it from the cross. We don't find our identity in a job. We don't find our identity in a bank account. We don't find our identity in sin. We don't find our identity in past sin. We don't find our identity in what someone said about us. We find our identity at the cross. Now the cross is empty. So then we look and we run to the grave and we see the grave is empty. And that means that our Savior is a resurrected King. And that is where we find our identity. This cross, it changes everything. And it changes our identity. God himself called us out of darkness through his son Jesus. He extended that invitation to be chosen. He extended that invitation to be holy. And that's the change right there. The cross, that bloody, that wonderful cross changes us from sinful to sinless through Jesus Christ. The cross changes everything, and in the cross is how we can find our identity in Jesus. Because of the cross, we are chosen. Because of the cross, we are God's possession. And when God sits on his rightful place, which is on the throne of your heart, you'll find out who he truly is. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and I've sensed it in preparing this message all week that somebody in this room is trying to find something. You're trying to find who you are. You're trying to find what to do. And, I, and the Lord sent me to tell you that you need to start at the cross to find out who you are and what to do. You need to start at the foot of the cross and lay down before the king because that is where you'll find your identity. That is where you'll find your purpose. You can't find it in anything earthly. It has to be something stronger than what's on this earth. It is something spiritual. And when you give it to Jesus, then you'll discover your identity. When Jesus sits on the throne and you allow him to lead you and you allow him to guide you and you allow him to ordain your steps, 
then he will reveal himself to you. And that's when you find out that when you can't make a way on your own, that's when he shows up and makes a way out of nothing. That's when he reveals that he is a way maker. When you need a miracle, that's when he reveals that he is a miracle worker. When you're in a dark place, that's when he shows up and is a light in the darkness. If you believe that, I need to hear your voice in this place. Shout a good amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had your life wrapped up in an identity that man placed on you, that someone spoke over you. Maybe it's, like I said, a job. I'm here to let you know that there is a God who wants to change all that. Worship team, join me this morning. Jesus died on the cross for our sins died to set us free. And in a moment, Pastor Jeff is going to come and lead us in communion. But before we get to the table this morning, I need to ask. I'm going to ask it again. Is God on the throne of your heart? Have you accepted your new identity? Or are you still fighting it because the world will look at you and think you're weird? Maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you've been following God. And maybe God isn't on the throne completely. That's okay. God says, I, listen, I'll, I'll wait. I want to reveal so much more to you if you would just allow me to sit on the throne completely. Because God wants to reveal himself. Maybe you need to embrace your identity this morning. Maybe you're here and you've heard about Jesus. You hear about this new identity, and you say, oh, man, I want so much of that. I want more of that. I need a way maker in my life. I need a miracle worker. With every eye closed and every head bowed this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, God, I, I hate who I am. If you can be honest, you hate who you are. If you're here this morning and you say, God, I in a hole. I can't get out. I need a new path made and I can't figure it out myself. Here this morning and you need a way maker. You need a miracle worker in your life. Let me tell you something. Let me introduce you to, to Jesus. You're here this morning. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, that's the first step in God revealing himself to be a way maker and a miracle worker. Is accepting that his son is accepting that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. If that's you and, and you want to make that commitment, you just put your hand up. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You raised your hand, or maybe you should have raised your hand. Let's repeat this, this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that you saved. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and sit on the throne of my life. I make you king over everything. 
from this day forward, I am saved. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to know that the angels rejoice when one comes home. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to make sure that we resource you as a church. And so if that was your first time praying that you're not a part of a small group, you need to get into a small group. Get into a group that will help you. Get into a group that will help, help you read the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, we'll, we'll get a Bible for you and start in the book of John. Maybe you're here this morning, and like I said, God is not fully on the throne of your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't fully embraced that identity of being a chosen people, a, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. If you're here this morning and you, and you say, you know what, I'm not living the way God wants me to live. I, I haven't embraced that identity, but I'm going to surrender to God right now and say, God, be on the throne. If that's you with every eye closed, every head bowed, just lift your hand. If you're here this morning and you say, God, I need you to be on the, be on the throne of my life. I need you to be king, and I embrace this new identity that you have for me. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I submit to you. I submit to your will. I submit to your leading. Not for my glory, but for yours. In your name I pray. Amen.